Okay, am I, oh, there I am. Hello. How's it going, everybody? Sorry, live stream, we had some battery issues. Uh, so we're back. All right, so Trey preached my message. Sorry, uh, you're not going to hear much different this morning. But I have one question just as we get started today. Who likes to win? Anybody? That was a little slow. It's a little slow. I like to win. Um, some people don't always like the way that I like to win. I'm a little bit of a rule follower. So I don't who has ever played a game with our senior pastor, Benjamin Davis? Anybody? Okay. So if you've ever played a game with him, you know that he might bend the rules to maybe be in his favor or his advantage, maybe a little bit. Um, but he, he loves to win. He loves to win. Uh, I don't know if I like to win just as much as he does. Uh, I doubt it, but I still like to win. Um, Victory is good, right? Okay, so this is what we're going to do. This is going to be really cheesy, but there's a point to this, and this ties in, okay? So everybody say V, I, C, T, O, R, Y. I need need like a pom-pom or something so that we could get that going. Uh, Do we have any cheerleaders in the house? Nobody wants to raise their hand because they're like, what's he going to ask? What's he going to make me do? No, we're going to, we're going to do that a couple more times. So let's do this like it's a little bit more practice. Let's go V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. We've got a few people who are a little too excited jumping ahead, but that's okay. We're going to talk about victory today in the context of worship and depression. Everybody say worship, worship. and depression. Okay, it's really easy to feel depressed with the way some things are going on in our world right now. But what I want to do this morning is I'm not even going to talk about that stuff. We're not even going to focus on it because it's one big, giant distraction. Everybody say, that's a distraction. I, think, I don't know if you guys believe me or not. So we'll try it again. We'll see, see if you guys can say it just a little bit louder. Say, that's a distraction. All right, we're going to say it one more time, and then hopefully I'll be able to hear the people on the live stream scream it. Maybe they'll get some complaints from their neighbors. So let's try it one more time. Say, that's a distraction. It's a big old distraction from what we are supposed to be focusing on. And when our focus is wrong, that is the foothold for depression. When our focus is wrong, that is the foothold for depression. We put our faith in things, and nothing, I repeat, nothing is going to be faithful except for God. There is no other thing that you can put your trust in that you can put your desires in, that you can lean on, that will be as faithful as God. They might last a little bit, but it will not last. So we're going to talk about worship and depression, and I'm going to share some really personal things with you guys this morning. Is that fine with you? Everybody say real talk. Real talk. Okay. I know that's cheesy. I had a rapper friend, and he always called it real talk. So today is real talk. Everybody say real talk. One more time. All right. So we're going to start... In Psalm 88, okay, this is a happy, happy passage of Scripture. It's very encouraging. I hope you guys will enjoy this with me. We're going to start in verse 3. It says this, For my soul is full of troubles. It's not a very good start, but we're going to to keep going here. And my life draws near to Sheol. That was the name of one of our teams in our fantasy football league this year. They did not do very well. Okay, so, (laughs) I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. 
You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up against you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friends to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Lord, we just thank you for this day, for this wonderful service. Everybody go home. Have a good time. Pretty depressing, right? Just listening to it, you could feel the energy that we just created in worship sucked out of the room, okay? My goal is to put that energy back, okay? I'm doing this on purpose. Everybody say, I trust you. You You will not leave depressed this morning, okay? It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. But this is a whole chapter of Scripture, and this is what's called a lament. If we want to live a life that has worship, that conquers everything, including depression, including depression, we have to learn to lament. Everybody say, learn Learn. to lament. Say it one more time. Say, learn to lament. Okay, what the heck is a lament? What is it? What, what does it mean to truly lament? I'll give you a clue. A third of the Psalms are laments. The biblical worship songs, Psalms of David, Psalms of the sons of Korah, of all of these scripture writers, these are songs that they would have sung in their worship services. A third of them, I think it's actually 53, so over a third of them are laments. Then there's an entire book of Lamentations, and then there are whole other scriptures. Honestly, if you go through and you read, the majority of the time it is about 15 verses of a guy complaining about his problem, and then about three verses of God solving it. So why is it so hard for us to to get onto the idea of lamenting? If there's anything that we learned in 2020, it's how to lament. To lament, let's do this here, To lament is to passionately express grief, sorrow, and regret. Now, I want to start with this. I am not a clinical psychologist, psychiatrist, any type of PhD, doctor, anything. I'm just a person with a testimony of something that God has done in me, and I hope that it encourages you. So please don't listen to what I say and hold me to it like you're going to sue me because, for malpractice or something like that, because I don't claim to have all the answers. I just claim to have a testimony of what God did in me. And when I think about some of the things that my wife and I have walked over the past few years, depression is definitely one of the things that would have defined me specifically. And a lot of you probably wouldn't have known that. I can put on a pretty happy face when I need to. But on the inside, I was struggling. And honestly, I was being torn apart by what was going on inside me. We, we got married in 2014. In 2016, after I graduated college, we started trying to have a baby. And we did not succeed for a very, very, very long time. 
And it was a lot of weight on me personally because it was something that we had desired since we were dating, since we were engaged. We knew this is something that God wants us to do. But the circumstance wasn't going like we planned, and it caused depression. I'm going to read a definition here. Depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest, also called major depressive disorder or clinical depression. It affects how you feel, think, and behave, and can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. Now, there are people who have depression that is caused by internal issues, by even chemical issues, okay? I still believe that what I'm going to share with you today is an answer to that. Now, should you go home and ditch all your pills and stop doing everything that your doctor says? Please don't do that because that would really scare me, okay? But what I want you to do is I want you to listen to what I have to say and consider, am I putting my trust in the wrong thing? Am I putting my trust in the wrong thing? This is, again, I'm not a doctor. This is just me wanting to communicate to you guys what the Lord did in me. So we're experiencing this. Um, We started trying in 2016. Uh, We were not successful for a very, very long time. Um, Trying to think of how how to describe some of this. Sorry if I get emotional this morning. Uh, try Try to keep it together while we're doing this. But we did this alone for so long. We struggled with infertility for so long by ourselves. We didn't talk about it. Honestly, we didn't talk about it to each other a lot, um, other than when we were upset. You know, we really couldn't hold it in anymore. It was probably two and a half, maybe three years of us, two. So two to two and a half of us doing it alone, where we didn't talk to anybody, we didn't let anybody know. Um, we didn't even seek medical help. We just, we were, we were alone. And it contained our grief, and me personally, this is how I emote. When I experience something that's stressful or that's heavy or hurtful in my life, I don't, I don't lash out, I don't get angry, I internalize it. And it was tearing me apart. So this is what I want to do for just a moment. Everybody close your eyes. Again, I promise I'm going to put Joy back in the room. You guys all look really sad. So close your eyes for just a moment. I think that there are a lot of people in this room right now Maybe it is infertility, but I think there's something in a lot of people right now that you are just dealing with by yourself. You were not meant to do this alone. I want you to hear that one more time. You were not meant to do this alone. You need to take that problem and you need to bring it into the light. Scripture says, do not question in the dark what was true in the light. You have to bring it into the light so that it can be redefined by God. So you guys can open your eyes, okay? So we finally got to a point where we began to express our lament. Remember, we're learning to lament. And I want, I want to start with this. God never got angry. God never left us. And he never punished us. Now listen to that. I'm talking, when I say lament, okay, we just read that whole passage where he's basically, God, do you even help dead people? Is, is there even an afterlife at this point? Because you are so vacant. You're not even there, okay? So he is getting, he's expressing this immense amount of doubt and questioning. We did a similar thing. God can handle your doubts, I promise you. He can handle your questions. He can handle your fears. We have to learn to lament. We have to express these things. In uh, June of 2019, we found out that the cause of our infertility was male factor, To interpret that for you, it was me. I had the physical issue that was causing the infertility, okay? 
that's a lot of disappointment from a man's perspective. Um, I'm going to say this, and I don't mean to be crass, but the one thing that a guy is supposed to be able to do, I could not do. Okay? I, could, I couldn't have children. And so it was terrible to me. It was, it was tearing me up. And, you know, all the thoughts begin to go through your head. You're like, well, those people have kids, and they're terrible people, and there's no reason that they should have children, and all this stuff. I mean, you, you can get into that thought process. And so we were expressing all of this, and so we find out that it's male factor, and I think it, it might have been a week. It was probably two or three days after that. Pastor Ben and I were supposed to go to a conference in Louisiana. So we went, and we still hadn't told anybody what had gone on, and we were angry. Um, they, they knew that we were having issues, but they, they didn't know that we had you know, feedback, medical feedback for what was going on. And so I was angry, and I'm sure that was not a pleasant car ride. I don't remember. Um, I, sl- I probably slept most of the time is probably what it, that's, that's how I like to pass time when we travel. I'm a uh, skillful napper. I like to think that I can sleep anywhere. So um, I, don't, I don't remember it being a very pleasant uh, drive just because it was bursting inside of me. I knew that I needed to share it, but I didn't want to. And keeping it in the dark was furthering the depression that I was experiencing. It kept pushing it down, and it was like, who's ever taken a Mento and put it in a bottle of Coke? Anybody? Okay. So when you do that, the pressure builds and builds and builds and builds until it explodes, right? It's awesome. If you've never done it, don't do it inside. That's my, <laughs> my one word of advice. Don't do it inside. Um, but it, that's how I was feeling. During one of the worship services that night um, that we had gotten to the conference, I still don't think I had told you, um, we had gotten, and I got angry. And again, you might not have noticed. Have you guys ever noticed that Pastor Ben is oblivious to the world when he's worshiping? Okay? So he is in the zone. The person could be off pitch, off key. It doesn't matter. He is locked in. So um, during one of those worship services, to be honest, I got angry. I got really upset. And I just, I'm not a crier. But I started weeping just where I was at because it was overflowing inside of me. And I, I just got really angry. Um, and honestly, I didn't resolve it that night. That whole worship service was awful. I didn't hear a word that they spoke uh, during the conference that night. They're, you know, they're talking about all these wonderful things for church growth and, and how you're supposed to be. But I didn't hear a word because I was so angry. I was so upset with what was going on. And we, we moved on. We got back to the hotel room that night. I, I told him. He prayed for me. It was great. Um, I even received some prayer that next day. I was still pretty angry, but I knew what I was supposed to do. And so we got to the worship service that night. And who knows who Travis Green is? Anybody? You need to Google and YouTube Travis Green if you don't know who he is. Probably the best worship leader right now that's writing music and that's leading worship at places. He's an amazing worship leader. And so we're, excuse me, we're at this service and I'm angry again in worship. And again, Pastor Ben is in his own little world. And then uh, Brother Timothy is next to him and he's in his own little world. And we're sitting with all of these international people and they're yelling in different languages. And so I just, I can yell here. I can, ha- I can have at it. You know, they're blasting the worship music. And so I just had at it. I got really angry. Um, and I just, I just shouted, and, and it blended in with all the sound. You know, we try to do that for you guys uh, with our worship sounds. Uh, we try to cover for you. So, um, so I got through all this. Honestly, I probably did this for 10 or 15 minutes. Again, he's in his own little world off to the side. Um, I probably did this for 10 or 15 minutes, and I got tired, okay, because you can't do that for very long. So uh, I'm crying. I got tired, and I'm just sitting there, and this is all I heard. 
this is one of the few times that I know this is the voice of God speaking to me. It wasn't audible, but it was in my spirit. And it said, do you still love me? When we are experiencing depression, we get so off focus that even loving God is not an option. That sounds extreme, but it's not an option. It's not even something that we're capable of thinking of, that we're capable of getting to. But because I learned to lament, and honestly, I wish I would have lamented a lot sooner, um, you know, by choice instead of by pressure. And so I, I learned to lament in that moment, and God's response was, do you still love me? It wasn't stop that. It wasn't be quiet. It wasn't, I can't believe you just did that in public. It was, do you still love me? And it broke me in that moment that that was his response to my anger. I confessed my need for him. If you look through this passage, it doesn't say, Jesus, I need you. I need your help. I need you to come and move in me. No, it says, I cried for help. Where are you? Where are you? And if we don't get to that point, how is he supposed to help us? Because our focus is wrong. I think a lot of us have it in our mind that the Holy Spirit, when he wants to do something, he's going to come in like a wave and overwhelm us and we'll have no physical control. And boom, there it is. That's the moment. Holy Spirit did his work and everything's fixed, right? That's not quite how it works, is it? It's not how it works. I had to confess my need for him. So not only is lamenting expressing Extreme sorrow and grief, it's expressing a great need for God. And when you express that great need for God, He answers. He's near to the brokenhearted. Now, what does this have to do with worship? Okay? If, um, maybe some of you are thinking that. Some of you are crying. Please stop that. So, um, what does that have to do with worship? If I had not been in those worship experiences, I would not have had the same opportunity to lament. I wouldn't have been positioned to. You'll get some weird calls from your neighbors if you just let loose in your, in your apartment, okay? They'll be like, somebody's dying upstairs, call the police, okay? So there, it's not that you can't do that there. It's that there was power in the moment that I was worshiping. Yes. I was still choosing to worship. It was angry worship. But I was still, if they can do it in Scripture, then I can do it. That was basically my, that was my confirmation. If David can yell at God, then I can yell at God. And so in that moment, I learned I can worship this stuff, not away, but I can worship this stuff forward into a place where I'm positioned correctly. That's what Psalm 88 is crying for. God, where are you? Obviously, I'm not in the same place that you are. How do I get there? And that's what lamenting does. It repositions us. Let me tell you, it's ugly and it's painful, but it is so worth it. Because when I finally got all of that out and I finally started to share it with people and people were praying for me, it wasn't like, boom, problem fixed. That's not how it happened. But all of a sudden, the focus is no longer, God, you gave me a promise and you're not coming through. I can't believe that you would promise something like this and not follow through for me. You do this for other people, you do it for people that don't even deserve it. But what about me? That was the focus. It takes it from there, and it says, you know what, Jesus, you are the center of this picture. You are the center of this picture, not me. 
You are the center of this picture. And we have an opportunity to draw near to God. This is how we conquer depression, when we draw near to God. I'm not saying that you have to lament and then draw near to God. I think you could do this in different order. But this is something that I still think is required. It says that God is near to the brokenhearted, but we also have to choose to draw near to him. Who's ever tried to hug a kid that doesn't want you to hug him? Okay? It's an interesting experience, right? You either get the stiff arm in the gut, or you get the cold fish. It's my favorite. They just stand there, and they let you hug them, but there's no warmth. There's no acceptance to what's going on, okay? It's the same thing with our relationship with God. We have to learn to draw near to him. If you look in Psalm 88 again, when it starts at the beginning of the passage, it says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, before you, incline your ear to my cry. So he asked me, do you still love me? I was tempted to say no. Honestly, I was tempted to say no. Because that's how deep this hurt was for me. But I said yes, even though I didn't feel that way. I said yes. And I kid you not, I have never had a stronger experience with the Holy Spirit than in that moment. Because even though nothing else matched what was supposed to be matching in my mind in that moment, when I answered yes, God drew near to me. And I drew near to him. He still loved me even when I doubted him, yelled at him, wept at him. And when, <laughs> to be honest, uh, I can't, we can't do it um, because we're not cool enough. But they were, and we're going to do this again. But at the point, so we're going through all of this, and I think you will probably remember this. We're going through all of this, I'm going through all these emotions, and then I'm starting to listen again, and I'm kind of opening my eyes to see what's going on. And Travis Green is up there, and he's dancing and jumping up and, uh, and down as high as he can, and he's screaming, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. And it's like, what on earth does that have to do with this worship service right now? I had missed the whole climax to that moment. So I'm like, why are we, why are we cheering like we're at a basketball game? And so I, I was just really confused. And then the, the Spirit spoke to me, that's what you just experienced. Victory. And, I t and again, he's in his own little world, so he probably would have enjoyed seeing this. But I started jumping up and down and screaming V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Because I had experienced victory from something that had been controlling me. It's a beautiful picture, I know. Okay, so... When we do that, when we draw near to God, this is just a quick little list. There are three ways that we draw near to God, okay? So if you've got a pen or paper or, something, or your phone or something that you can type this down on a live stream, please take this down. This is super important, okay? First thing is in the context of worship, all of this is way easier, okay? I don't just mean in the context of singing, but I mean in the context of what we're doing right now. Drawing near to God is easier, okay? I think everybody has experienced that, right? Who's ever tried to sing by themselves at home? Okay? And it's not like, well, Holy Spirit, I know you're here because you're always present, but it is not the same as what we experienced this morning, at least for me personally. It's not the same for what we experienced this morning. So all of this is easier in the context of worship. The first thing that we have to do to draw near to God is we have to draw near to his word. We have a big focus here at Abundant Life Church. We make sure that the songs that we are singing are scripture-based. We're not just going to sing touchy-feely. Uh, there's nothing wrong. Those things have their place. But we are going to have scripture-based worship. 
But you also have to read Scripture. You have to be in His Word. You have to let it feed you. Little advertisement. We are doing the More Jesus Bible in a Year plan as a staff. And then I think there's a lot of people in this room that are doing it. Who's already on one of those plans with the group? That's awesome. That's awesome how many people are on there. So it's a really good plan. Pastor Ben and I have talked about this. It's honestly the best Bible in a Year plan we've ever used. Um, they're using questions that you can answer that are revealing huge themes in Scripture that it's not that they weren't obvious before, but the way that they're tying it in is amazing. So if you want to know more about that, you need to get in a house church because the house churches are doing it together. Um, it's just an awesome opportunity to draw near to God through his word. Then we have to draw near to God through his spirit. So everybody say, draw near to God through his word. Then say, draw near to God through his spirit. Personal worship and praying in the Spirit. We talked about this a little bit in uh, the time meeting this morning, T-I-M-E, Together in Ministry Experience, that we have every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. We get together and we worship and we just pray over things that are on the hearts of our staff, that are on the hearts of the people that are here, uh, and we seek God for breakthrough. And this morning, even, we had a time where we prayed in His Spirit. And I don't even want to get into the topic of tongues. You can argue all day long if you want. But what I do want to talk about is the idea of praying in the Spirit. Of course, I believe they can be the same thing. They have a role where they, they interact together and they can be the same thing. But there is also the idea that it is a surrendering of letting the Holy Spirit pray through you. Could it be tongues? Yes. Could it be through music? Yes. Could it be through singing? Yes. The idea is that you are strengthening yourself in the Lord through praying in the Spirit. This is key to drawing near to God. Because you become sensitive. You become, honestly, overly sensitive. Because now you have the Holy Spirit. You're like, wow, he's here in this moment. I can do this right now. He's empowering me to do this. this that's what it accomplishes. And then finally, through his people. Everybody say, draw near to God. Draw near to God. Through, his people. through his people. This is the part that a lot of us don't like, if we were honest with ourselves. Drawing near to God through his people. Look to the person to your right. <laughs> you guys all look the same direction. Okay, sorry. Um, I like to do that. Okay, look at the person next to you. Just find a person next to you. Do you really like them? Do you? Some of you are like, yes. Some of you are like, I'm not so sure. Look at that person right now. Look at the person. Oh, I see people not looking at people. Uh-oh. Look at a person say, I love you. Look at another person say, I love you. Man, I'm so tempted to call out a couple people, but I'm not going to do it. Okay. All right. Drawing near to God through his people requires humility. Immense amounts of humility. Because to be honest, we interact with people, and there are certain personalities that are going to annoy you. I might annoy some of you people in here right now. I'm sorry, but it's okay. Okay? You need to draw near to God through humility so that you can hear what I'm trying to say. To put this in context of what Natalie and I walked through, you know, we went through this process, we kept it to ourselves for a long time, then we finally started to talk about it, went to the doctors, found out the news, and all of a sudden, again, we hadn't talked to hardly anybody, we start getting prophetic words from people. They had no idea what was going on. Some of them even happened before the doctor's appointment. They just walked up to us and... I had several people walk up to me, and we would not talked about having children. It's not obvious that we were trying to have children, nothing like that. And I'm like, I believe uh, that the word of the Lord for you today is Isaac. So immediately in my mind, I was like, 
Well, Isaac was the promised child to Abraham. So there's something that immediately struck a chord within me. That's what we do on Sunday mornings when, we, when people come and share prophetic words, is in that moment, if the Spirit is highlighting something that is going to show that person God sees you. And that's what happened. That's what happened to us. I had another person who was like, well, you know, Isaac is great, but what about Genesis 26? Genesis 26. I was like, I honestly don't know what happens in Genesis 26. So I went back and I looked, and I was like, all right, yeah, that's about right. That falls in the Isaac timeline. So this goes along with the other word, but it has the words in there, so into the famine. And that struck a chord in us. We're like, wow, we can't just sit here and wait for God to fix our problem. We have to sow into the famine. It takes a lot of humility to let those people speak to you. And honestly, we received a couple of prophetic words uh, that are too long to share right now, but were from people that we didn't really want them from. It's not that we don't love those people. It's that we didn't want a prophetic word from them. We didn't want them to know what was going on. But the Holy Spirit was doing a work and moving, and it took humility for us to hear what they were saying and be like, you know what, you're right. I need, to, I need to receive what the Holy Spirit is trying to point out to me right now. That took humility, and that brought us closer to God. When we went, um, we went to Bethel to a meeting called Leaders Advance um, in uh, 2017, and we went, they have what they call prophecy rooms. Sounds really mystical. It's not mystical. You literally go in, you sit down, they introduce themselves to you, and they say, you know, we just want to pray for you and see if there's something that God wants to bring out about you and reveal it to you. And if it resonates with you, awesome. If it doesn't, we make mistakes, and that's okay, okay? So they were doing this, and we had, we had been trying. We kind of laid it down for a little while, and we got to this point, and they're going through, and these prophetic words, I mean, they're hitting one after the other. They're nailing us over and over and over again. And then they um, violated one of their teachings, okay? So <laughs> Bethel has a teaching that when you're doing the prophetic, you need to stay away from dates, mates, and babies. That's their teaching, you do not prophesy about dates, mates, or babies because it causes problems, okay? So they violated one of the rules, and they said, did August 23rd mean anything to you guys? I was like, no, it doesn't mean a thing. So we just thought it was a mistake, um, and we left it there. And they, um, they gave us a recording. They emailed it to us, and we just, you know, like, okay, August 23rd. I don't really know what that means, but immediately when you're trying to have a kid, you think, oh, that's going to be their birthday, that's going to be, or man, that's, that's going to be when we find out that we're adopting a kid or we're, whatever it is. There's all of these different thoughts that can start firing off in your head. And so eventually enough time passed that we kind of forgot about it. We forgot about the date. Um, and then this past year, probably, I think it was in um, April or May, honestly, the depression was carrying through. Even though I had lamented, I was still dealing with little bouts of not being the best that I could be. There were some moments in these years that Natalie would let me know uh, that maybe she didn't like me very much because I was, I was being a jerk or I was being pouty or mopey because I was letting it control me. And so I was kind of going through a little spout because to be honest, doing ministry on a live stream alone is not very fun. Let me let you know, okay? It is not enjoyable whatsoever. And so I had a little moment that was, God, I did not sign up for this. This is not what my ministry was supposed to look like. This is awful. We're not interacting with any people. We have no real feedback, all of these different things. 
And I just felt like, you know, I need to go back and I need to listen and read prophetic words that have been given to me. I, I journal, and so I went back and I just started flipping through pages. And then I remembered, you know, we received a prophecy at Bethel, and it was really, I remember it being really encouraging when we got it. And so um, I went back and I listened to that, and the August 23rd thing came up again. I was like, well, that's come and passed like three or four times by this point. And there's, it's not going to do anything. This doesn't mean anything. And I just continued to discount it. Um, and after that, I went to one of the sessions at Pastors University. And Pastor Larry shared this story about Dr. Yungi Cho. And uh, where is he at? Is he in Korea? He's in Korea. So man's got the largest megachurch in the world. He's got hundreds of thousands of people in small groups. We want to be like Youngie Cho with small groups. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but he was talking about Youngie Cho early in his ministry, and he needed a bike to travel in between the um, ministries that he was working with, the small groups that they were working with, because all of this was underground, okay? So he's working with these people, and he really needs a bike because he's walking and spending all sorts of money having to hitch rides from people to get to where he needed to go. And he had been praying for this bike, and he was getting really upset because the ministry was not doing well because he couldn't get to the places that he needed to go. And God just dropped it in his heart, you're not praying specific enough. You're not praying specific enough. And so he's like, okay, I want a red American bike. American bike to them being a, like a mountain bike, okay? So he's like, I want a red American bike. That's perfect. That'll get me from where I need to go. I even think he wanted a basket, I think is one of the things that he asked for. It's like, I want a red American bike with a basket so that I can get back and forth where I need to go. I can carry these things. And a week later, didn't tell anybody that he was praying any differently. He goes home, and there's a red American bike with a basket. And so you listen to that, and you're like, that is the cheesiest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. There's no way that that's true. He told somebody that he needed a bike, and they went and bought it for him. And regardless of all of I'm a cynic, if you can't tell. Uh, I tend to be a little cynical with things. And so uh, God is trying to change that in me. So that was my immediate response when I heard it. Like, there is no way. But I also felt a challenge in my spirit. What if you did that? What if you prayed specifically? And so we started praying for specific name, specific gender. That's what we just started doing. We were praying for specific name, specific gender. I told Natalie about it. She started doing it too. And at the same time, we were learning how to walk what God had called us to do out. And this is where this intersects with my last point. So we're learning to lament. We did that. And then we're drawing near to God. And then finally, we had to learn how to quietly trust him. So while we're praying, you know, at first, it feels really weird to pray that specifically. You're like, this is strange. I feel like I'm trying to manipulate. I feel like I'm trying to control all of these different things. And we finally moved past that. And what we learned was that quietly trusting God is not being quiet, per se. It's silencing the noise. Let me explain what that means to me. When you silence the noise... It's you remove everything that doesn't agree with what God spoke. That is quietly trusting God. Because there's nothing else to distract. There's nothing else to grab your focus. Quietly trusting is saying, God, I feel this, but I know that this is what you said. And rather than disagree, I'm just going to choose to say, you know, my emotions are wrong. My thoughts are wrong. My desires are wrong. I'm going to line up with you. 
And so while we were doing this, you know, we kind of expected when we start praying specifically that maybe God would resist that a little bit. I don't know why that was in us, but we're like, okay, maybe God's not going to like the way that we're praying right now, but we're going to do it anyway. And so we prayed that way. And we started to learn, you know, when we do this, it gives us the freedom to step and confirm. Because we're not worried about the thousands of options that we could be doing right now. Let me tell you, when you're experiencing the feelings of depression, you cannot focus. You have all of these options and you're immobilized. You don't know what to do. You're like, well, I know I need help, but there's all of these different options. Nobody's offering me anything. I'm not going to go do that because I'm afraid it will cause this. And, and that's part of the thought process of depression. It messes with the way that you think. You don't think straight. You don't think right. And so this was our way of combating those feelings of depression. Because to be honest, we're still experiencing this. Even though God was, was moving, even though God was speaking, and we were learning to step and confirm, it was really easy to slip back into those feelings of depression. To slip back into those feelings of lack of control. And so we just switched. We just went, you know what? We're not going to speak the doubts anymore. We're not going to speak our fears. It's not that we can't be honest with God, but we're choosing to believe that what he says is right over what we feel. And this is the switch. You know, we just read Psalm 88. Super depressing, I know. Hopefully I'm putting a little bit more faith back in the room. If you look in Psalm 89, it says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be put up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring and build your throne for all generations. If you read the rest of Psalm 89, we don't have time this morning, but if you read the rest of Psalm 89, it is still a lament. It is still an expression of great sorrow and grief. But listen to the difference of how it starts. It changed. It changed from, God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? To, I am going to choose to sing of your steadfast love. I am going to choose to sing of your faithfulness. And that's what we continued to do. We, we kept praying specifically. And we even felt within us that we needed to be humble. Because you know, we believe in miracle healing here at Abundant Life Church. I have prayed for people that were blind and their eyes were opened in Cuba. I have prayed for broken bones. I have heard bones snap back into place. I have felt arthritis break out of people's hands. I have experienced amazing things that God has done. But I didn't think that he could do it through me. I didn't think that he could do it in me. And I've experienced healing before, but there was this big old barrier that had been built up of, you know, this, this can't happen. And so we decided, you know what, let's be humble. Maybe God wants to heal us through medicine. Awesome. That's, that's great. Uh, we're not, we're not going to be prideful. We're going to take the healing that God gives us. And so we started taking the medical steps, and we got to the point where we had a procedure scheduled that was going to increase our chances of conceiving. And so we had that scheduled, and I'm here to tell you that we got to literally days before uh, our scheduled appointment to go and do this procedure, and Natalie's cycle had not started. 
And we had to wait for her cycle to start so that she could take the medicine that would help with the procedure. And this kept going on and on and on. And finally, uh, we're on vacation at this point. Finally, I'm like, just go buy a pregnancy test. Because th this is getting, you know, it had happened before where there was a, a, a week of elongating things. And we were like, all right, this is it. And then it wasn't. And so we were just kind of expecting that this would be another thing. We had humbled ourselves. Medical was going to be the way. Some of you, I'll tell uh, greater details later on, but essentially what happened was she didn't sleep for an entire night because she refused to take the pregnancy test. Um, she's not stubborn at all. And so uh, she refused to take that pregnancy test. And so she finally took the pregnancy test, and it was positive. That's right. So we prayed specifically for a girl named Everly Christine. And that's what we have received. Can you put one of those pictures up there? So that was our announcement. Look how beautiful my wife is right there. That's awesome. Go back to the one before. Do you guys see the family resemblance? Oh, go back a couple more. Look, you see the family resemblance in that sonogram? She looks, she looks just like me. It's wonderful. Go to that next one. Okay, so uh, this was around about the time where the... Uh, the, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, the, the tech uh, for the, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, so ultrasound, there we go. So the ultrasound tech was like, this baby's going to be huge. They're talking about how long the, her arms were and everything like that. And we had a little bit of a bet of whether it would be a small or big baby. And I was winning for a little while until this next picture, I think, or this is the last picture. Yeah, that next picture. And uh, she's not big anymore. She's small. So uh, she's going to be Natalie's size, but that's okay. I'd rather... I'd rather her look like Natalie than look like me. So I get through all of this, and hopefully there's a little bit more faith in the room, because something that we thought was impossible, that we were told likely wasn't going to happen, uh, even with some medical help, it was going to be difficult, we received without having to do any of that. Because we let God change us along the path. Now, I don't want you guys to be confused. God fixing circumstances is not the solution to depression. I want to say that again. God giving us Everly, the biggest blessing that we've ever received, was not the solution to our depression. Jesus was. I want you to listen to that just one more time. Jesus was the solution. Because if we hadn't gone through the process, say that we did get pregnant on our own without going through that, but we didn't do any of the other things that we went along the way, we never would have grown. We never would have learned how to conquer those things. God grew us through the experience. I'm going to pass this off to Pastor Ben here in just a moment, but I want you guys just to close your eyes for a moment. I want to do two things. You know, we talked about not doing things alone at first. I want to, I want to stick to that. Please, if you're experiencing some type of depression, do not keep it to yourself. It's okay to get counseling. It's okay to talk to other people. There's no stigma around it. If you need help, get help. But I think there might be some people either on the live stream or maybe even in this room that you're dealing with infertility right now. I just want to take a step of faith. This is something that God has put on our heart. I want to pray for you right now. Or maybe uh, it's not infertility per se, but you have issues um, with the reproductive system. I just want to pray for that right now. God, I just thank you that your Holy Spirit is here to heal and is here to move. 
God, I speak into these people's bodies right now, into these women's bodies, into these men's bodies, that healing would take place, that there would be creative miracles, that there would be uh, miracles that doctors can't explain, and that it would be done by your power, God. We're not trying to manipulate. We're just simply asking that your Holy Spirit would move right now in a mighty way and change these people's lives. And the next thing I want to do before I pass it off to Pastor Ben, if you guys would just keep your eyes closed. Maybe you were in a position like us where you felt like God had made a promise and you know that he's a promise keeper, but your relationship with him and your joy and your happiness is dependent on that promise being fulfilled. I want to tell you that your focus is wrong. I know that might be hard to hear, but your focus is wrong. The solution to what you're experiencing right now is simply Jesus.